All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. You're listening to Dropping the Gloves with former NHL All-Star John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Dropping the Gloves. I hope everybody had a good week. And I know I did. It was a lot of fun. Tim, what'd you get up to this week? Anything fun? What did I do? Well, Halloween was this weekend. Uh, I went over. Yeah, I went over a friend's house who lives right by the park. And uh, they get like five or six hundred kids every year. So it was fun. Just kind of hand out candy and check out all the costumes. What did you guys do? Well, we went, um, the church had a big party the night before, and then we went to a friend's house the day of Halloween and there was like 50 kids there and they played games. We played like all these fun activities for the kids. So we didn't do the traditional trick or treating per se, but we kids still had a ton of candy and a bunch of fun, but it was, I forgot it was Halloween. Did you dress up? No, no. When was the last time you dressed up? Uh, last year, probably. Well, no, last year it was shut down with COVID two years ago, I guess. Well, what's your go-to costume? My go-to, and I don't have anything else. I have a Superman T-shirt. I just wear that under like a shirt and tie. I'll just go as Clark Kent. That is, and funny. then just rip it open at some point during the night. Halloween is one of the big for like a hockey guy. The players, it's a big one. It's one of the bigger parties of the year because you. It was it was always fun to dress up. You rent out a big restaurant room or you go if you're on the road, you go to a bar or whatever. Usually you do it at home because you can incorporate the wives and you throw a big shindig and it's a good time. So it's uh, I miss that part of hockey. You know, I don't miss the on ice stuff. I don't miss playing the actual game. It's the other stuff, the secondary stuff that no one sees or hears about. But the Halloween parties were always epic. It would always either be, like I said, it was there sometimes at somebody's house, but like we'd rent out a whole restaurant and people would think it's lame because you just go to this restaurant and it's just the guys on your team who you hang out with all the time. But it's a lot of fun. You know, the, the beer and wine start flowing, maybe have a couple shots here and there. And it's just, a, it's a good time for everyone to let loose. It's the perfect time actually of the year because the season started. You're, you're a good two weeks into the season and it either acts as like a congratulatory night where you go out and it's like, Oh, you know what? We're having a great season. Let's go out. Let's celebrate. Let's tear it up a little bit because we're having a really good season or it can act as a reset. If you've stumbled out of the gate, if you've had a bad start, if all of a sudden you, you look at the standings and you're the, the Vegas golden Knights and you're like, man, we're four and four. We're supposed to be the best team in the league right now. Let's go out. 
have a little team bonding camaraderie. We'll tear it up a little bit. We'll grow a little bit as a team and we'll, we'll come back stronger. That's the idea. Does that ever happen? No, it's basically an excuse just to go out and let loose, but it's, it's always a good time when the team gets together, everything, everybody drops their guard a little bit. So I don't know. There was some pretty, I remember I was just thinking back of the costumes that I've seen throughout the years and the kid, the guys go all out. It's, it's really impressive. The costume, my best costume I went as, not that you care to ask Tim. It's always about you, isn't it? You never ask me a question. I ask you questions every show, the entire show. I feel like I, I'm just talking to my wife because my wife, she never asked me how I'm doing. Oh, nice. Oh, yes. Nice. She never. I always have to ask her. She, I, it's never about John. What was your best costume, John? Tell me. <sighs> I'm so glad you asked. Um, Michael Phelps. It was a really, after he won the eight gold medals or whatever, nine he won in whatever Olympics that was. It was very cold. I think we had the party in November, early November, because we were on the road. I wore a Speedo the whole night with gold medals around my neck and a swim cap and goggles. And I got like overserved. And it was just one of the best nights I've ever had walking around down. Where were we at the time? Maybe Chicago. Just in flip flops and a speedo walking into like all kinds of like, cause after the Halloween party, you go out and you, you know, go to bars and stuff. If, if you want, I was just rocking a speedo everywhere. It was, it was great. And I got a lot of positive feedback. It was, it was nice. It was a good night. So that was my best costume. Cause everybody knew I was Phelps and no one had the cojones to dress as them. And I, I went for it. My wife made these like medals and, we we got the whole USA cap and speedo and stuff and the goggles. Those are pretty pretty and I'm tall too, like Phelps. He's like six five, six six, and I got a swimmer's body. I have no upper body strength whatsoever. So it worked out well. It was a, it was a pretty neat costume. A lot of positive feedback. What did Danielle wear with that costume? Usually we try to go a tandem, but we couldn't do it this year. I think she was pregnant. Obviously, she's always pregnant, but she went as like Tinkerbelly, I think. Oh. <laughs> That's good. So yeah, we and that she was always pregnant. Like always. And so we always had to incorporate like a pregnancy costume. So we, we come up with some good costumes who involve the baby in the tummy. It's always fun when you're pregnant and she can't drink and I'm just getting overserved by the bartender. It's always a fun car ride home <laughs> when that happens. <laughs> I love you so much. Car ride home with Danielle. She's just telling you all the things you did wrong all night. You're embarrassing me. I love you, baby. <laughs> you know who else is in love right now, but they're in love with the Toronto Maple Leafs is Morgan Riley. So there was my segues are on point. I'm telling you what. Yeah, but not better. if you call them out. Yeah. As soon as you acknowledge it, it's it's gone. I just I just am impressed by my segues. Maybe when I get a little more professional, I won't do that. But so the big elephant in the room with Toronto Maple Leafs this year was what are we going to do with Morgan Riley? He is an elite defenseman. He is the guy on our team who kind of solidifies the back end. Yes, we brought in TJ Brody. Yes, we have Jake Muzzin. It's the Morgan Riley show back there in Toronto. He's the guy who stirs the drink. He is the Toronto defenseman. And there was a lot of question marks surrounding him because you give out all this money to your forwards. You, you spend an absorbent amount on, on the front part of your team. How do we keep Morgan Riley? We're already strapped for cash. We, we're wrestling with the cap every offseason. But somehow, some way, Kyle Dubas manages to get Morgan Riley to sign a very team-friendly deal to him. Like, I was shocked. Usually, a player is going to maximize their opportunities when they go into free agency. And Morgan Riley is a player who has done everything in this league except 
except winning the playoffs. He's, he's just a consistent performer. He, he produces at, in all aspects of the game, five on five penalty kill power play. He's, he's an all around solid defenseman. Were you surprised by this number when he signed for, for eight years, he got a lot of term. Were you surprised at the number one that went with it, which was seven, seven and a half Schmel? A little bit. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think that he's as good as the guys probably making, making that $9 million number that we've seen the last, you know, this past off season, but at the same time, he could have easily gotten that number uh, if he hit the open market or if he demanded that he gets paid that, for that much. So yeah, it does surprise me a little bit, especially since the other stars on the team didn't take team friendly deals. And he's at this point, Morgan Riley, I think is the longest tenured Maple Leaf. And he's also the one who's, under contract for the longest. Um, so I think he clearly wants to play his whole career in Toronto. Yeah. He, he's still, you, you think of Morgan Riley, you think he's old because he's been in Toronto forever. He's only 27 years old. So this puts him to his 35 year year age. And, you know, he does put up points. I think you're underselling Morgan Riley a little bit. He is arguably not a point per game performer, but a point every game and a half if that makes sense to you. So if there's three games, he's putting up two points, you know, three years ago, he had 72 points in an 82 game season. Then we had the COVID and the shortened season and you get 27 and 35 respectfully. I'm so stupid on Mondays. It's crazy, but no, he, he does. (laughs) Did you see that self just hate I have for myself when I make a mistake? That's what makes me great. (laughs) It's funny, but anyways, I'm on one this morning. He is a good point producer. Once, once he took the reins over from FNUF, once they got rid of a big mistake in my mind, Jake Gardner, probably the downfall of Toronto Maple Leafs letting him go. He has stepped into that void and he's produced ever since. And he's got 72 points. Like I said, 27, 35, he's on the top power play unit. Sometimes most times he is, but he, he anchors that decor. So I think this is a fantastic contract for Toronto. This is very, very, very smart for them. What it does do, it sets them up for a big question mark down the road because you've invested so much money in so few players. Tim, you did the math. It's almost $50 million invested in five players for next year. That's a lot of money. $50 $50 million for five players. And we're not expected the salary cap to jump that much. It might jump up to $85 million. So you have to round out your whole team, $35 million. And you still have to fill 18 roster spots for $35 million. Can a team be successful when they invest that much money in so few of players, Tim? Uh, I'm going to say probably not. Um, especially, like I said, like it's, it's, he's the only one of this core group that took a team friendly deal. You've got your top three forwards, Matthews, Tavares and, and Marner all making double digits and Nylander's up the contract. He's on a contract for three more years. That's a really good contract. He's making just under 7 million. Um, but it just, it just handcuffs the GM in terms of, of building out a roster. He's done a pretty good job with that in the past with, you know, going and getting like those, those veteran forwards that, you know, the depth defensemen that are pretty cheap. And, and he kind of hit gold with Jack Campbell when he got rid of uh, Freddie Anderson. But I just, I don't know. It's just, it's hard to see this group making moves in order to win around unless this core does it, which I think is kind of what Dubis is, is attaching himself to. Yeah, it, it does make things a little bit more difficult. And he has put all his eggs in one basket. So this is it. This is a team, the team that's lost in the first round the last four years, five years. This is it. This is the team that, that he's going with. He's all in. If you had to trade one player, I thought it was always 
going to be Morgan Riley. He was their chip if they wanted some more assets, if they needed to make a change. Now that is off the table. You know, I don't think they're going to trade him because, yes, that's a very team-friendly deal. Seven and a half million dollars these days. He he's leaving, I think, a million to a million, million and a half on the table per year just to stay in Toronto. Who is the guy in an ideal world? In my mind, Toronto would love to get out from John Tavares. They signed him to that ticket. He was the big free agent catch a few years ago. They gave him $11 million a year. He still has four more years on his contract. And he has not looked like the same player that he was a few years ago. John Tavares. He looks like he's... and I say this with the, with a grain of salt, so don't jump all over me, but he looks pedestrian. He looks average out there. He doesn't look like the John Tavares that we knew when, when he was with the New York Islanders. He doesn't look like the John Tavares who came to Toronto in his first couple of seasons. He looks very average. And you can't have a John Tavares being average if you're the Toronto Maple Police. Mind you, he still has seven points. Like He's still going to get his points, but John Tavares, he's a superstar. You know what I mean? You need him to be getting 82 to 92 points a season in order for him to be worth it, for him to be getting $11 million. And he can't come in and drop a 60-point season, even though that's very good. That's still a very good season. That's not a John Tavares. Is it Tavares or Tavares? Both. Neither. I don't know another podcast host uh, on our level. We're a very successful podcast at this point who butchers names as much as I do. It's incredible. I need to go to a pronunciation school. If there's a, one of our listeners who can just send me phonetically all of the names that I butcher, because people send me memes about Peach, Peter Angelo and Tony Delangelo and all these things. And I think they're funny. I just, I'm not doing it on purpose. I just, too. That's a big sign. I'll never know how to say that guy's name. <laughs> Let me just so start calling him Lionel or Leon, whatever his first name is. <laughs> but back to Tavares or Tavares, Johnny T. I had breakfast with Johnny T. Did you know that one time we were, we were at the players um, in the summer meetings, all the players rep get together and we have meetings and we discuss how the year went. We, we go over this and that. And I knew Cal Clutterbuck from my time in Minnesota and he was with the Islanders at the time and him and Johnny T were eating breakfast and I come down and I'm kind of the awkward guy there because I'm the tough guy. No one really knows me or likes me. I kind of keep to myself a little bit. And I pony up with them and I expect to have a nice breakfast and be friendly and this and that. Johnny T didn't say a word to me all breakfast. I was like, what did I do to you that you can't even say hi to me? You too good for me, Johnny T. So that's my only interaction with John. I think we said hi. And the rest of the breakfast, they just talked to each other. And I sat there and ate my bacon and oatmeal and then walked away with my tail between my legs. Very awkward. Very it's so strange. I hate that. I hate when people do that. He's just anyways. And now it's all coming full circle because he's lost a step. So you know what, John, since this is what you get for icing me out at breakfast, my friend, but back to Johnny T if he's going to be pedestrian and keep in mind, like I said, pedestrian for Johnny T is still 60 points. Can do you, do you think in a perfect world, they can package something up and get rid of that contract. Do you see a team biting on John Tavares at this point and his $11 million contract? Cause it's not like Toronto can trade him and retain some of the money. You have to ship the whole contract, the whole kit and caboodle. Is there a team that's the Arizona coyotes come to mind where bad contracts go to die. Do you think the Toronto Maple Leafs are looking if you're Kyle Dubas to make this work? Yeah, but I don't know that Tavares is, is as tradable as some of their other players. And I mean, I, I don't know. Is it worth it just to get rid of him? Like, would you would you take 
almost nothing back in order to get rid of that contract. If you're Kyle Dubas, it means that he's their captain and his points of production have been better than you're making it seem like last year he had 50 and 56 year before he had 60 and 63. And then the year before that, his first year of the Maple Leafs, he had 88 points for 47 goals in a full season. So it's not like, I don't think he's ever put up a 60 point pace. He's a pedestrian for him would be like 75. Well, that's what I that's, mean. Just based on this year's, you know, just tests that I've seen. Cause I've watched a lot of Toronto's games. He doesn't look like the same player that he was last yeah. year. So I don't know if that's the injury that he sustained. If he's still a little gun shy on the ice, who knows what's going on with him, but he doesn't look like the same Johnny T that we saw last year. Cause he's a good player. He kind of gets lost in Toronto because they have Matthews and Marner and Nylander. They're very flashy. Johnny T is the guy who just kind of goes about his business. And then you look at the box score. He's like, Oh, he played 20 minutes. He's got two assists and he's plus three. So I don't know. He does have a no move clause, a full no move clause. So he would have to okay any trade that puts a little wrench in the plan for Kyle Dubas, but by signing Morgan Riley for this term and this amount of money, this is it. I don't think they're going to get out from any of these contracts. I don't think a team would take Tavares. I don't think they're going to trade Nylander because like you said, it's a very team friendly contract. And while you were saying that, it got me thinking this will be the new norm. GM's betting on players because when they signed Willie Nylander and they signed him to a good deal at the time, it was, there was a question mark. It was six years, $45 million. People were questioning this deal because he signed it in 2018 and he, he was coming off a season where he only had like 60 points in 80 games, which isn't like a $7 million contract at the time. And they gambled. They said, we're going to give him this $45 million. Everybody was questioning it, this and that. This contract looks fantastic now. I think this will be the new norm for GMs going going forward where they're just going to gamble. It, it, gone are the days when you earn contracts. I think now the time is you earn your you will earn it in the future. You'll get overpaid for the first few years and then you'll be underpaid at the end of the contract. That's how GMs are going to play the game now because these young guys they're just going to if you wait until they become a superstar, they're going to outprice you. You know what I mean? So Willie Leanlander would have signed a bridge deal for two or three years. He would be too expensive for Toronto right now. There's no way they could sign him. Could he, he would want $11, $12 million. So this, this will be the new normal when a GM will have a guy like Willie Nylander or a Mika Rantanen or whoever it may be. He'll be coming off his ELC, entry-level contract, and he'll throw a long-term and a big number at him, and they'll get really excited because they won't even make making 800, 900 grand. And the GM will be like, oh, I'm going to give you 8 million bucks for eight years. We don't know what the player you're going to be, but we're, we're going to work with you and we're going to mold you into that player. Then sure, sure enough, in two years, the guy's going to be one of the best players in the league, and it's going to be a great contract for the next six years. That, that's going to be the business moving forward. I, I, and it's already happening. So I'm, I'm just kind of stating the obvious, but it is interesting. It's kind of neat how the, you know, the GMs and league has changed even in the last 10 years. But don't you think that like what this is leading to is that, I mean, we talked about this before and actually your agent, uh, uh, what's his name? Hank has been tweeting about this too, is like the disappearing middle class in hockey. It's like you, the teams that are trying to win are, are have all these, these top heavy deals of the stars. Cause that's what it takes to acquire those guys. And then you hope to fill in the rest with just like hitting some home runs with some veteran contracts, like the Spezzas or the, Pe- the Corey Perry's, that kind of thing. It's hard to build a team where guys making what they're actually worth or a little bit less than that. I mean, the Bruins are a good example. Like all three of those guys in the perfection line should be making three or $4 million a year, more than what they're making, but they're not. But I think more and more, we're going to see the, that middle class is going to be hard to hard for guys to make their money. They're going to be either overpaid or underpaid. It seems like. 
it's like that. It's, it's basic economics where the top tier guys are always going to make the most and they're going to continue to make the most. They're not going to take the pay cut. So where does that money come from? You can't pay the guys at the bottom any less because they're already making some league minimum. So where does that money come from? Comes from the middle class. It happens like out in real life. It's like, Oh, we're going to have inflation. We're going to have this. We're going to do, we're going to tax the rich. Do you think a rich guy who's making a billion dollars a year and they're going to say, Oh, we're going to tax you an extra 10%. Do you think he's going to go, Oh, okay. You know what? You can take another hundred million bucks. I don't need to make that. No, he's just going to up the, the price of his product. He's going to, he's going to take that from us. He's going to take it from his employees. He's not going to make any less. So it, it's just, it, it squeezes the middle class. It shrinks that whole demographic. There's going to be a lower class. And then just based on hockey. Yeah. There's going to be the top five guys who make 80% of the the salary on the whole team. There's going to be the bottom 15 guys who make the next 20%. It's just the way of the world. And can you figure it out? The, the wild card here is if you can get an entry level contract guy and maximize those first three years and really pay for some high end guys and make a run at the Stanley cup for those two or three years where this guy is a very, very, very good player. And he's still at an entry level contract. So the one team that I think has, has done a very good job of this. And I've just been all over them. I love this team is the Carolina Hurricanes. Another fantastic segue. It's unbelievable. I'm on today. So the Carolina Hurricanes have managed to, to jump out to an 8-0 start. They're playing fantastic hockey. They won last night 2-1. Very uninspiring win, but they still cobbled together a 2-1 win. In all eight of their games, they have given up one goal or less. That has to be some kind of record in the NHL. I, I'm not a big statistician. I can't go back and check everything, but they're that is something to look for because that's an amazing stat in today's age. When they, they encourage offense, they're really cracking down on the cross checking, the hooking, the holding, the clutching, the grabbing. They, they try to get offense as much as they can. That's, that's the sexy game run and gun. They have given up one goal or less in eight consecutive games. That is an amazing stat. They've done this through it's a, it's a committee, Tim, you can't send me a message when I'm in the middle of my thing. He wants me to do an ad read. I'm going to do it after Tim. Don't worry. They have done it by giving up their two goalies last year. And they have done it by letting their best defenseman walk. And they have gotten better this year. If you were to say that at the beginning of the, at the end of the season for any team in the NHL, and you were to say to them, Hey, we're going to let your two starting goaltenders walk. And you're going to lose your best defenseman who is arguably top five in the whole NHL. And you will be better this year. You will be better. You'll be better defensively. You'll be better offensively. You'll be eight. No, you, you would have to think you were crazy, but the Carolina hurricanes are doing that. Rod Brindamore is a fantastic coach. Their GM has just pulled all the right strings. It's Don Waddell. They are, he's, they have no bad contracts on their whole. Like this is, this is the way a team should be run back in 2016. I know last year I said to able is the most underrated player in the NHL. I, I throw that term around a lot. 2016 goes around and and you mention teams having to sign the top end guys to a lot of money in order to, to keep them. And Twavel Teravainen was a direct result of that. And the Carolina hurricane saw an opportunity. They knew the Chicago Blackhawks had a lot of RFAs that they wanted to retain and they had a bad contract environment, Brian Bickle. And so they saw the opportunity and they approached Chicago. They said, Hey, you know what? We'll take Bickle's contract. You give us Teravainen. We'll, we'll take him." And so the Hawks gave him Bickle, who was making four million bucks for another two or three years, and they gave him Teravinen for a second and third rounder. Basically nothing, because it's it's very hard to 
pick a player to the second round and be, be a, a productive player. Unless you're Carolina and you get Sebastian Ajo in the second round, he's the best player on your team. So they get Tara Vinan from Chicago. They get Bickle because they had some salary cap room. They could eat that contract. Chicago loses a fantastic player. They turn around, they side Tara Vinan to a nice $5 million contract. He's been one of their best forwards since. And that's what Carolina has done. They have pieced together this team. They got Sveshnikov. They got Aho. They get Kakinemi from Montreal. He's, you know, kind of rounding into form. They they had to pay for him. They gave him six million bucks. But they do that. They get Jordan Stahl, Nito Niederreiter. They got him from Minnesota. He's a bona fide goal scorer. Vincent Trocek. They just have a fantastic team. And it's just amazing that they can do it this, this day and age, they can go out and assemble this team and get these guys to agree to like their fourth line center is Derek Stepan. He is a very, very, very good player. He, he doesn't get the recognition he deserves. He was the best player in the Rangers system for a long time, but he was overshadowed by Gabrick and Brad Richards and um, Callahan and all these like big superstars. Derek Stepan's a very, very good player. Now he's just on the fourth line of Carolina, just anchoring that team. And they go about their business and they're, they're not flashy. They're a bunch of jerks. People don't like the way they play because they play a very frustrating brand of hockey. Their defense is arguably the best defense in hockey. And how many years have we said that for that? Carolina has the deepest and the best defensive crew in hockey. Is it, why can they do it? And no other team can. I don't know, but, and, and you know, we talked about this. I remember you picking Carolina to be a really good team this year at this, like before the season even started. And I remember thinking you were crazy because like you said, they lost their two goalies and their best defenseman, not to mention their second best defenseman, Jake Gardner was out for the whole season. So well, second um, best with the first one and one a, and then they lost Justin Falk, their other best defenseman a few years ago when he went to St. Louis. So they replaced, sorry, Tim, go ahead. What were you saying? I jumped No, go, Keep going. Keep going. So they lose these guys who are, the so-called anchor of their back end, the Dougie Hamiltons, the Jake Gardners, the Justin Falks, who are all star defensemen. And they continue to churn out defense from their draft. Their scouts have done impeccable jobs. They draft very well. Jakob Slavin, Ethan Baird, they picked him up from Edmonton for Warren Fogel, who is a productive forward. He gets 20, 30 points a year. But Ethan Bear, he's playing on their first, first D pairing now with Jakob Slavin. Like he he has just transitioned into this very great defenseman on the right right side who just compliments Jakob Slavin so well. It's Jacob Slavin, I think, but I just like Jakob Slavin better. And they got Brady Shea, Brett Pecci, Ian Cole, and Tolly Delangelo. Like and they get Tony <laughs> Delangelo for absolutely nothing from the Rangers. And now he's basically uh, taken Dougie Hamilton's spot on the power play. And don't look now, but he is putting up points like it's his no like it's his job because it is his job. So the Carolina Hurricanes, Tim. They're going to win the Stanley Cup. Eight games into the season, I don't see another team that is even even close to them. Top to bottom, they are they're playing outstanding hockey. They're coached very well. They're very very just disciplined team. They don't take many penalties. The one thing that could cause them a hiccup is their goaltending. But Freddie Anderson. I said it last episode. I like Freddie Anderson. If he can stay healthy, Anti Ranta is a good backup. He's been a starter in this league, so he knows how to, you know, if Freddie falters, he can come in and jump in and spell him for a couple weeks. They're a very good team. Sebastian Ajo, Sveshnikov, Vincent Trocek, they're all superstars. Tuevo Teravainen, unbelievable. Like, they're a very good team. I know. What do you, am I crazy to, to anoint them as the Stanley Cup champions this early in the season? You're not crazy, but I don't. I think you're maybe drinking the Kool Aid a little too much. I don't think they're so good if they're not winning even close. I mean, Florida, for example, they played one more game, but they have 
a point more than Carolina. They lost in overtime to the Bruins over the weekend, but they're just as good as Carolina, I would think. I don't know if they've played each other yet this year. Do you? Well, based on their based on the fact that they neither of them have a loss, I would hazard a guess that they haven't played each other. Because Florida just, yeah, I, w- I yeah. would hazard a guess. <laughs> All right, good, good point. Um, yeah, I mean, they're, they're probably, I don't know, they're arguably the best team right now, but I don't think there's, I don't know. I'm just not as high on them as you are. I'm very high on them. I'm very high. You know what else I'm high on is DoorDash. Because when I'm hungry and I'm late, I started playing hockey again. So we played last night. I'm sore. I don't want to get out of bed. I don't want to go make something. I don't want to go to the grocery store and buy something. So you know what I do? I go to DoorDash. I jump on my computer. I jump on my app. I jump on my tablet. I DoorDash. Oh, I want Chinese food today. I'm in a Chinese mood. I'm going to get the Kung Pao and I'm going to get sweet and sour chicken. I'm going to side of fried rice with an egg in there. It's going to be fantastic. I get it from my Chinese restaurant. Bing, bong, bing. Not racist. That's me phoning, (laughs) punching it in. And it's just fantastic. You enter promo code GLOVESDDUS if you're in the USA. GLOVESDD if you're in Canada. You get 25% off. Free delivery on your first order. And it's just good piping hot Chinese food to your door right when you need it. They give you the fortune cookie. What's my fortune? Thank you, DoorDash. All in all, it's a great experience. That's what I do. And you should do it too. Because if you have this opportunity to have a great company, do a great service for you. Why not do it? Don't make things difficult. Don't go to DoorDash. Tell them we sent you gloves, DD promo code. If you're in Canada, gloves, DD us. If you're in the United States, you get lots of benefits. It helps us. It helps you go to DoorDash. That's what makes me happy, Tim. When I, when I know I can get something and it's a good company and I'm not paying an arm and a leg for the service. So use DoorDash. It's a very, very, very good way to get food in your tum tum. Dun, 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 as the eichel turns bah, 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 bah. it's 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 now time for a new episode of as the eichel turns tim what's happening in this week's episode of as the eichel turns well we left off with uh, a bunch of teams <laughs> uh so what happened over the weekend dragger reported basically that Almost nothing. We're just like, hey, it, the stuff with Eichel gets hot and then it gets cold. Right now it's hot. And that was Saturday. Today's Monday. So apparently nothing's happened since. Um, what the reports are is that Eichel to Las Vegas was getting very, very close. Um, the chatter was up there. And again, he's they seem to be the front runner. Nothing has happened since, but that's the one to keep an eye on. But the, the, the other rumors that Anaheim is also still in on the talks. And interestingly enough, they removed Jacob Silverberg from their roster, you know, questionably to make space for, you know, a move like that. Um, but again, nothing happened yet. And then the, the Flames are rumored to be the third remaining team. It seems like the Kings are out on them right now. Could change, but those those teams um, are the rumors. And I guess, you know, I, I, I thought Anaheim all along, you were kind of thinking LA King, but they've played okay. And I don't know. I don't think center is really something that they need. But if you're Eichel, out of these three teams, where do you want to go to most? Is it Vegas, just because they're the best team in that group? Yeah, there's a lot of you. Ha- you have to look long term, and I like the way the Anaheim Ducks are set up long term. They got a lot of good young players. If if I'm Michael, I'm going to Arizona. I, I can come in. I can be that stud centerman that they need. I can give the young kids some time to to breathe a little bit. Vegas, you go. What's that? Yes, Arizona. Is that what you meant to say? No, Anaheim. Okay. All right. <laughs> Why? We're talking about Arizona. Anaheim and 
Vegas. You, you said Arizona. I'm like, he hasn't, well, he hasn't even been to, uh, to a playoff game yet. Oh, so. excuse me. No, yeah. I mean, the, yeah. I meant the Anaheim Ducks. I think you go yeah. in there and it just gives you a little bit of time to, you know, a get healthy. Cause we don't know how his surgery is going to go. That's the big question mark. He has to get the surgery. It's not like he's going to jump in and play right away. He, we're, we're talking, maybe he's going to be there by the end of the season. So if he does go to Vegas, he gets a surgery and all of a sudden he's thrust into action in the playoffs and they, the expectation are sky high. That's a lot of pressure. You have a Stanley cup contending team right there. So I, I know Vegas did offer a deal for them this off season where they reportedly offered Riley Smith, some Peyton Krebs, Nicholas Hagee, and a first round draft pick to Kevin Adams. And he said, no bueno, we want more. So I don't know what else Vegas has to offer. The thing that Anaheim has, they have a lot of good young draft picks. They had a lot of good young players. And if you put him on a team and you got Trevor Zegras, he can give him some time to grow. What? Zay, what? How do you say his name, Tim? Zagros. How the heck am I supposed to know that? Zagros. Get like Scott. Give me a normal name. <laughs> and you have a lot of like Lindholm is there. Drysdale is there. They have a good young team. They have a good goaltender in John Gibson. I like Anaheim situation a little more for Jack Eichel. It's a, it's a more desirable place to live in my mind. Vegas is great. It's got the bright lights. It's got the strip. But if you live in Vegas full time, I think people will tell you it's not all it's cracked up to be. There's just, no, no, I don't want to get, go down that road. Anaheim's, it's a very nice city. They got a lot of good players. They got a lot of good prospects. And they could probably offer a better deal for Buffalo than Vegas can. So if he's going to, I don't know. Is Vegas panicking? Is this a panic move where, where they see their window where it's like, this is the time for us to win. We know the West is weak. We've been competitive the last few years, but we haven't gotten over this hump. Is this a reactionary trade for them based on the first eight games? It could be. I don't think this is a good move for Vegas. If they make this trade, I I think they should hold off and let another team take a crack at them. I don't know. Where do you see Ica landing now as it stands today? I mean, you have to think Vegas just because that's what Dreger reported, and and uh, so did Saravelli over the weekend too. But I don't think it's a I don't think it's a panic or reactionary move only because Eichel's not going to help them anytime soon. You know what I mean? Like he's probably still months away from playing in an NHL game. So um, I, I don't know. I, their season's going to be either won or lost by that point, anyways. I, I don't think it has to do with their start to the season. I think they just see an opportunity to get a, a really good, arguably franchise player. Uh, you know, a, a cheaper rate for a guy that wants to prove all his doubt is wrong, wants to say it's not, it's not me, it's Buffalo. And, um, but I do, like you said, I do like Anaheim there. I, I, uh, you know, rumors aside, I think it makes the most sense there. I'd like, they have the most to offer. I think he would fit in really well there. Um, and Anaheim is, you know, not a bad city to be in. So I would think, I would think that's where he wants to go. Unless you count for the fact that, like I just said, he hasn't made the playoffs in his career yet. And he's been in the league for, gosh, like seven, eight years now. So I don't know. He probably wants to go to a team where he's going to have an impact right away, but also be on a team that has a chance, not necessarily to go on a deep cup run, but at least like play in the playoffs and see what that's like and see what he can do in the biggest stage. So I don't know. I don't know. I would say probably Anaheim. It's ABB, anywhere but Buffalo. That's where he wants to be. So I know Buffalo wants to to pry Shea Theodore out of Vegas if there's a deal. So I just don't see Vegas. I don't think they have the pieces for this trade. If Kevin Adams is really stuck on getting a high-end player back for Jack Eichel, Vegas is not the team to deal with because they're, they're contending now. 
So you're going to have to deal with a team who is not contending now. And maybe that's the Anaheim mighty ducks. Maybe it's the LA Kings. I still think LA is a player. I like Eichel in LA. I'm still sticking with that guess, but we'll see what happens. This, this is not going to be resolved anytime soon. Like uh, there's so many moving parts in this trade with Jack Eichel, his surgery, the recovery, the, the ins and outs of the deal. Are we going to have futures on this deal? If Jack never plays a game, what if, you get him and he has a surgery and he can't play for the rest of his career. What what happens then? So there's, there's going to be a lot of just asterisks in this contract. If this happens, if this happens, such and such is going to going to need to change. So we'll see what happens, but it's always exciting when I get to watch as the Eichel turns, it's beautiful. It's really, really great. It's turned into a really great show. I, I'm enjoying it. You know, it's not a great show. The Chicago Blackhawks lost again. Zero two. They're zero seven and two. What what is how was their big offseason acquisition, Mark Andre Fleury? Other than Seth Jones, he made a, he made a startling quote. Tim, what did he say? Yeah, so he talked about just like how how good they were supposed to be, and like you said, they they added some pieces. He was asked over the weekend about you know what what the start has been like for him in Chicago, and this is his quote. He said, "quote unquote, very frustrating, embarrassing." We had some hype with our team with a new acquisition this summer, and we all expected more out of our team. It's been tough to keep smiling. Oof. Wow. Whammy. And you know how much he loves to smile, Mark andre Fleury. He is the, like the one goalie who likes to have a good time and keep it loose. And if he can't smile, no one can. And this just the zero and seven start in addition to the whole controversy with Kyle Beach and Brad Aldrich and that terrible situation – I don't blame anybody in Chicago for not smiling. This is a tough situation. A bad season just got worse with this whole scandal. The only one, and not that this is a good situation, Jeremy Colleton is the only one who is potentially a little happy about this because he's extending his coaching career for another couple of weeks because he would have been fired already had this scandal not happened. Like he, he would have been out the door. So now everything is shifted towards this. Guys are losing their jobs, rightfully so. Players are being questioned. They're, they're, they're fact-finding all that stuff towards this terrible situation. And Colton's he has another chance to kind of regroup and guide this team to some wins. So, I don't know. It, it's not a good look when your starting goaltender says this because – I've been in a locker room. I've been on bad teams. Once this creeps in, once the fun is gone, once the enjoyment of coming to the rink is gone, you're doomed. There's no coming back from it. You're going you're gonna to continue to lose. It's just not a good situation. You know what is a good situation? ESPN Plus. I was you know, all out and about this weekend. It was Halloween. We went to a party. We were this and that. I wanted to watch some games. I jumped up my ESPN Plus app. I was on my phone. I was watching the game. It was fantastic. It is the cat's meow when it comes to just being able to watch sports on the go tent. It's so incredibly great. I don't have cable at my house. I don't need cable. I have ESPN plus I have Hulu. I sign up for the premium package. I got dough coming out my ears, baby. I got the Hulu package, which is only an extra couple bucks a month, but that gives you so many more different options for shows, not just live stuff scripted, great, great TV shows. But anyways, ESPN plus has been working with us. They give you a fantastic deal. You get all the hockey games. You get thousands of weekly or 75 weekly national games. You get thousands more out of market games, not thousands of games a week. That would be insane. But listen, they have other stuff. They got the 30 for 30 library. They got the UFC, which I love. I love UFC. You guys getting in there and fighting up. It's fantastic. So go to ESPNplus.com slash NHL slash gloves. Do us a favor. Sign up for them. Gives us a little pat on the back. And it's a very, very, very great little, you know, ESPN Plus. Who would have thought five years ago that nobody would watch TV on cable anymore? 
It's all through the internet. And ESPN Plus is at the forefront of that. They got so much great content. So go to ESPNplus.com slash NHL slash gloves. You won't be sorry that you did. All right. What else are we going to touch on today, Tim? Uh, that's pretty much it. I, uh, Jacob Markstrom had three shutouts and four starts. And this is last four starts for the Flames, which I think is pretty cool. And they've actually, Who's after Jacob they started. Markstrom? Isn't that his name? Jakob? <laughs> he, uh, fl- the Flames started 0-1-1, and, and now they won six in a row. So they're, they're a team that's as hot as any in the league right now. Uh, I agree. I, I think cool Florida is, or uh, Calgary's a very good team. They're better than Calgary, or better than Edmonton. Excuse me. And, and I know I take a lot of heat. Edmonton is, it's all smoke and mirrors with Edmonton. I'm telling you right now, at the end of the season, they will not be there. I know stinking Edmonton fans don't like that. So they won't be there. I'm telling you right now, their back end is not what it should be. The guy between the pipes is not who he needs to be. Edmonton will not be there. Anyways, I don't know why I get so negative. Go ahead. What else is, what else is happening, Tim? That's all I got for today, John. That's all. That's I got. enough. We had a great show. Thank you for listening, everybody. Go get some DoorDash and just sit on the couch and get fat. That's what we all should do. It's fantastic. We'll see you guys on Wednesday. I hope you enjoyed the show. We will talk to you then. Cheers, everybody. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash.